0: Two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome out to Peek Happy Podcast. If you're new to this show, this is a Pokémon anime podcast where I go through and not only give you a synopsis of every episode one at a time, but go real deep into analyzing the ins and the outs and the storytelling and the writing and the characterization and how the Pokémon world works. And this episode, it is a filler episode. I would not say it is my favorite episode or even one of the more important ones, but it does give rise to some questions and even answer some questions um, about how the Pokemon world works and some things that sometimes frustrate or intrigue people in this fandom. So I think we might find a few diamonds in the rough. So pack your water bottles, we're headed into the desert for advanced generation number 46, Candid Camerupt. As always, Peek Podcast is brought to you by PokePress, servicing your many other needs in the Pokemon fandom that don't involve just the anime analysis, such as video games. Steven from PokePress covers the VCG uh, Masters Division Tournament um, for regionals in Madison, Wisconsin. There's also a live video up about the event. So gamers can check out the winning team and an interview with the trainer in question at pokepress.blogspot.com or other videos about that event and other Pokémon-related things at pokepress.blogspot.com. Of course, I'll also have those links on my blog page and I'll give you that info at the end of the episode. But if what you're here for is anime nerdiness, you are in the right place. And so let us get to that episode, Advanced Generation, number 46. We open up, the kids are out in the desert, and they are just baking. The sun is beating down, the canteens are empty, and they're thirsty, dehydrated. I have seen this scene used so many times to make fun of the show, like, you guys have water, Pokemon, why are you so dumb? Pikachu faints, May and Max faint. Brock and Ash, like, everybody's down, they're they're comatose, basically, and they're still miles from the next town, and yeah, it does sound stupid, so many people have made their YouTube vids and their blog posts and their memes, like, these idiot kids really had water right next to them, but I would just like to put forth a rebuttal, because remember, we have not confirmed that a Pokémon's internal stores of water for attacks like Water Gun are safe for human consumption. We don't know if any bacteria might be growing in there. We don't know the mineral composition. We've still not confirmed if it is salt water or if it is fresh water or if it varies based on region and location of the Pokémon. Like goodness, if your Pokémon knows an attack like Brine, you don't want to be drinking that. That's not going to help you stay hydrated. (laughs) And at the very least, we don't know when Mudkip last brushed its teeth. A lot of these Pokémon are spitting the water, so I would say it is a questionable source. And while it does seem that if you're dying in the desert, you might not care as much about the purity of your water source, but we have yet to see a human drinking water that came from a Pokémon. Definitely in an episode this series has covered so far, and my memory tells me we've never seen that. The closest I can remember is movie 9, where Max is so thirsty that he goes up to the psychic water bubble things. I think he does test, like, a tablespoon's worth of water, and then asks the girl if he can have some. And the response from a character who is not a small child under 10 is, uh, yeah, but... And then she gives him bottled water. Maybe it won't kill these kids to drink from a mudkip. Maybe it is a worthwhile risk to take given the circumstances. But again, we have never seen a human character do this. The one time the issue has come up, the somewhat more responsible character seemed to think it was a bad idea. And that suggests to me that the kids aren't dumb and ignoring the obvious option, but that. This was never a viable option in the first place. And another thing to consider is that we don't know that the Pokemon aren't dehydrated as well. Because that does happen. And maybe they can't produce water right now. Maybe they've already used up whatever internal water store. Or they've, you know, been baking in the sun for a long time and are dehydrated. Like, those kids have been in the desert a while the Pokémon themselves might have tried this already, to at least cool the kids down. It could be that they are in need of a Pokémon Center before they can do any more. But whatever the case, the kids have all passed out, and luckily they were spotted by a Pokémon called a Camerupt, shaped like a camel, and it knows a guy, or or a lady in this case, because next scene we find ourselves in a nice cabin, the kids are getting fed and watered and thanking their hosts. A kind family took them in, Uh, seems to be a grandmother, set of parents, and an adorable little girl who finds Max equally adorable. And when she expresses this, remember one of May's signature hobbies? Matchmaking, so watch out. In the meantime, this family explains they've been living out here in the desert, almost off the grid. Just living the chill life, raising kids, growing crops. They're pretty isolated. It's the only house in the area, so the kids are lucky they were found because there wasn't any other shelter for miles. Um, But the family is happy to help out travelers. They don't get visitors often, so the company is repayment enough. Seven names, by the way. They're the Winstrait family, Victor and Victoria, Little Vivi, and the grandmother, matriarch Vicky, uh, and the Camerupt, of course, that saw Ash and Friends in the first place. There is another son, Vito, who is not here. He left on a Pokemon journey a while back. He wants to be a Pokemon League champion. Gotta love the names in this family. Definitely a theme going here. Although I do have a question about the wife, because passing a family name like through the line is not so uncommon. Marrying somebody with a gender variation of your exact name and the name of everyone else in your family... That's a little weird, and it's either a huge coincidence or, like, that was the criteria that Victor only dated girls named Victoria or something. <laughs> or maybe she changed her name upon getting into the family. And I'm willing to bet it's not a coincidence just because that grandmother, she's she's kind of weird. I'm getting a vibe off of her that I usually get off of Team Rocket. Speaking of them, they are also stuck in the desert, also without water, and collapsing under the sun. They are found by a dude with green hair, he's got food and water, and he helps Team Rocket. His folks live in the area, he says, but he can't go home, so he's kind of wandering around and scrounging in the desert. Looks like he at least knows what he's doing, though. Anyway, his family saw him off on his Pokémon journey. Even though they needed him on the farm, they let him go off on his dream. They knew he'd become a champion, but soon into the journey, this guy realized what he really loves is raising and caring for Pokemon. Maybe, maybe he's breeder track. Being a champion is not his real dream. Having discovered that, he doesn't necessarily need to keep going around and beating gyms. And he, you know, kind of wants to go home and tell his family what's going on in his life. But his family gave up so much and has expectations with a capital capital everything, he can't come home as anything less than a champion. Sort of like the kid who gets into a great program for, like, medicine or something, and then discovers midway through freshman year that they really want to study art. Like, sometimes it's a hard conversation to have with your family, and we kind of figure out quickly that this is Vito. This is the son that's off on a Pokemon journey. And having met his family, particularly that grandmother, yeah, I can see why you'd kind of be a little intimidated to talk to her. Jesse and James, uh, surprisingly, can empathize with this situation. Like expectations, um, changing dreams over protective or, or controlling parents, failure, sacrifice, like, they get it. James even offers to go home with Vito and help explain things. A nice offer and... Throughout the whole episode, seems to have been sincere. Very unusual for Team Rocket. Meow thinks so. And Vito says James will regret it when he meets Grandma. And as we cut back to the so he's like, Yeah, she's a crazy one. Ash and his friends are trying to find something they can do to repay the meal and kindness. And she's like, Okay, battle my entire family. We have a stadium in the backyard. And to be fair, they have to get recreation somehow, and there's no one to battle but each other, so maybe it's not so weird. They're a bit enthusiastic about this. But they rule a four-on-four match. The four win straights versus Ash's four group of four. And for this to work, Ash is going to have to loan Max a Pokemon, and Max is like, yes, please! So they'll face off in a series of one-on-ones. Brock faces Victor first, his Mudkip, versus Zigzagoon. Now we find out how good this family is. Victor just has this happy, easy-going smile on his face, like, even as his Zigzagoon is tearing up the field, and he's like, yeah, now use Thunderbolt, and it K.O.'s Mudkip. He's like, oh, that's nice. Brock is not sure how to deal. And so up to this point, I was actually a little bit weirded out by this family. Like, because if you pay close attention to the English dialogue, they have a very weird way of talking, um, especially the father, wife, and and to some extent, Vivi. They talk a little bit, like, slow. Their Their cadence is a bit weird. And how the actors deliver their lines just sounds a little off, a little moronic and boorish. And it's kind of straddling a line between possibly less educated, isolated people versus actors cannot read script in natural manner. Like, it's somewhere in between that. And it's a little grating at the beginning because you're wondering if the actors really did just have a rough time in the booth that day, or if this family is supposed to sound kind of backward and, like, they don't talk to humans often. And it's striking because it does seem to be only the family, only the characters of the day. And yeah, you can make the argument that they are maybe less experienced than um, the actors voicing, say, Ashbrock and May, less settled into their characters. Although the character of the day uh, voice actors, those tend to get recycled fairly often. So I don't know if I buy that argument. Like, they've not voiced these specific characters often, but... Like, we could whip out a cast list. I bet all of those actors have done a fair, fair amount of characters of the day. Like, this is probably not that new of a thing for them. So, like, it's just a little weird. So I can't say for sure that it was planned. Like, it really could just be hard for that particular set of lines to have matched the lip flap consistently through the whole episode. Like, who can say whether or not it was a deliberate choice, but yeah, that is exactly what you were supposed to think. You're supposed to think, like Ash did, this is a nice family, a little out of touch with the city, maybe kind of lonely, but really enthusiastic about Pokemon battles, but they're rural. They're maybe a bit lower income, maybe a bit less educated, and so they couldn't possibly be really talented at something and intelligent, like better than gym leaders and veteran trainers, I mean, that doesn't follow the rules. Like, the voices may not have been a a deliberate part of that, but wow, did it help to drive that point home. We underestimated these people a little, but they know what they're doing. They've got talent and a good instinct in places where you don't expect to see those things. And oddly enough, it's not despite their situation as much as because of it. Their Zigzagoon knows Thunderbolt, and it's taking Brock by surprise, because they needed to generate electricity way out here where there's no power plants. Like a trainer, a conventional trainer trying to win the Pokemon League would have gone out and caught an electric Pokemon, or or taught Thunderbolt to a Pokemon that had other um, battle qualities, a more well-rounded team player. There's not a lot of people challenging the Pokemon League with such a common Pokemon, but this family's like, eh, oh, we'll just teach it to the zigzagoon. It's practical. And if battling happens to be our side hobby, well, we might as well use it and get good at it. Like, like these people took all those kids by surprise. You, you really can't judge people. You really can't. Well, Brock is cringing a little in defeat and tags out to May, who faces the sweet little housewife. Do not let your guard down, May. I'm sensing a trend. But letting her guard down is not going to be a problem here because Victoria has a Rosalia. And in May's eyes, all Rosalia trainers are Drew. She's going to beat that thing down with everything she has. And off in the Peanut Gallery, her friends are like, Whoa, May actually like, cares about battling today? What the heck? Well, Beautiful Eye goes to town on Rosalia, and Victoria loses. She came in with such confidence, but apparently this is a normal thing for her. Grandma's like, I told her not to choose a Rosalia. And I don't know, it's not the Rosalia's fault, I think. I've seen that species do some sweet things, and... For all, Victoria may be the weak link in this family chain. I can't see that her loss is actually because she is inept as a trainer. Or that her Pokemon was weak, I... I honestly think May was just fueled by an era rage and came out victorious for it. Honestly, I think Grandma here just has very high expectations and is a little harsh on her daughter-in-law. But whatever the case, the score is tied, and it's now Max versus Vivi. Max is going into battle with Ash's Corphish. <laughs> this is the potential to be all kinds of wild, and Ash has given Max full reign on this. Not like you should go with X Pokemon; it'll listen to you. It's cool under pressure. Nope, just what do you want? Sure, go nuts. Like, Meanwhile, Vivi is flirting. She wants to be good, good friends, no matter who wins. Max is blushing. May ships it. But this scene further solidifies, for me, that rule about being tend to go on a Pokemon journey. Because it is sometimes a little bit vague on what exactly that means and and how it applies. And I've definitely put forth my own headcanon in in this show based on the evidence we've been given, and it really doesn't seem anything is stopping a kid from raising a Pokemon and battling with it and training it at home, possibly under the supervision of a family, but who knows. It looks like when the rule comes into play that you got to be 10 is when you're trying to get a trainer license with an ID and getting a Pokemon registered to you, entering gym battles, and official league-sanctioned competitions. Maybe availing yourself of the Pokemon Center services afforded to the traveling trainers. Basically, anytime you want to do something official, it seems that, yeah, you gotta be 10. But unofficially, like we see kids with Pokemon all the time. Just in the family yard, Vivi can play with and train a Pokemon and practice battling, no sweat. Who's gonna stop her? So Max hasn't had that exact experience, so he isn't sure how he'll do. Though I'd say he is starting to get some of that hanging out with Ash, May, and Brock. Like, he's been caring for some of their Pokémon. He's gotten to not do a lot of commanding of them in battle situations, but a little bit. So while it's rare for him to get to battle with them properly like this, he is getting uh, some experience that the average kid might not get. It's a tangent, yeah, but I'm kind of intrigued by how the Pokemon world works when you're not on a journey of your own. But it is a bit more important to talk about the little kitty romance going on here. Vivi and her Meryl are in good form, but Max is off in daydreamland. land. Like if he had a notebook, he'd be drawing hearts and being like Vivi and Max forever all over it. Ash is yelling at him, like, this is why you friend zone everybody, jeez. Am I the only one who can keep his head in the game? And when Max is finally able to focus, he tells Corfish all about his, his defense strategy, and Corfish is like, yeah, I'm gonna do the opposite of that. Runs up and starts whacking Meryl, like beating it to a pulp. Meryl faints, and against all odds, Max wins. Wins no favors with the girl, however. Vivi is crushed. Will not accept apologies. I hate you. Wah. Brock and May are horrified as Max has his little brokenhearted breakdown. But Ash is just, Great job, Max! I knew you could do it! <laughs> you showed her! <laughs> well, Max has to take the bench now. Hopefully Brock can empathize. Ash gets his turn against Grandma Vicky. He is brimming with drive. Pikachu as well, they are planning to crush this battle, but so is Grandma Winstrait, matriarch of the Winstrait family, like, she is taking this seriously. (laughs) In case you forgot the subplot, Team Rocket arrives with Vito, and they are also like, yeah, that old lady, she's intense. She sends out her Camerupt, who is brimming with the same inner fire. Pikachu's electric attacks don't work, so it's up to Quick Attack, which does more damage than I thought it would. Enough that camera up falls and Grandma has to break out the motivational speeches. Like, what if Vito were watching you? Make him proud. Vito's like, yeah, right here. And that kind of just reinforces why Vito probably is scared to talk to his family. Like, if this is the kind of thing he grew up with, with Grandma, like, her motivational speeches kind of shanghaying other people and being, like, almost guilting them into it and putting that pressure on it. Like, yeah, of course he's not going to want to go against that. And I'm sure he's not feeling super great right now about being the object in her speech of, like, camera up, this is why you have to try harder, because Vito, like, Vito's probably like, you did your best, camera up, I'm cool with this. Like (laughs) Sometimes what we perceive to be as helpful is not always helpful to the people around us, I think. Anyway, Camerupt does come back with Sandstorm, so I hope Vito's proud. And then Pikachu's got to defend with Iron Tail right in the face, and it makes Camerupt angry, as as I'm sure it would anybody. The Windstrate family starts whipping out hard hats, like everybody else is. What's happening? What? And then the volcanoes on Camerupt's back start smoking. Camerupt is furious, and erupts. In full fire and brimstone mode, it it is not limited to the battlefield, like, everyone is running and trying to dodge flaming rocks, and it's enough for Team Rocket to get a little ticked at Vito, like, they came here to help him, and all this danger, they just run off and decide not to help him after all, like, you're on your own, bud. Pikachu has the worst time of it, because it's got to dodge projectiles while also running from this crazed Camerot who is clearly on the warpath and not thinking friendly battle on its mind. And Grandma's just in the background smiling like, them's the brakes, people running for their lives, possible mortal injury, nothing I can do. Ash is like, I don't know, you could train your Pokémon. Because when Pikachu trips, Camerupt goes right over it and now is on a crash course for the house. And now everyone's scared. <laughs> Not when Camerupt was about to apply that same destructive force to Pikachu, a living being. But no, now that it's pointed at the house, everyone's very concerned. It's all fun and games until it happens to you. Victor actually faints at the thought of losing all the crops. And from the sidelines, Vito's like, okay, I guess I have to do something now. This is getting a little nuts. He calls out his Alakazam to use Rain Dance, which cools Camerupt's head a little bit. And now that it's not angry, it'll just chill and eat some cabbage. (laughs) I kind of like this (laughs) Camerupt. Things are back to normal, and Grandma's willing to concede the battle to Ash. Things seem good, but the sky's clear now, and that means Team Rocket. They swoop in, and they swipe Pikachu. And now Vito feels guilty. He brought these guys straight to his house, trusted them. Team Rocket's also let loose the secret that Vito's in the area, so so now he's got to step up, be proactive. Luckily, Alakazam's psychic attack can easily free Pikachu and bring the guy floating back down to its trainer's arms, and then Vito's swallow can slice the rocket balloon and send them blasting off. So, way to be a hero. And Grandma realizes that her Vito, you know, he never really did like competing with others. He's kind of a gentle guy. He likes to help people so if he's here and not saying hi to the family he must be struggling with something maybe even afraid to come home she's a sharp lady she puts it all together and she says she never should have pushed him into being a pokemon trainer and if he can hear her she says she'd want him to know she's proud of him and he should go after what he really loves with all his heart i'll leave soon after But this time, he's happy, because he knows the next time he comes home, he'll be able to greet everyone with his head held high. And that ends the episode. It's kind of an interesting ending, because it really ends with Vito rather than with the kids, which is a little less common. And yeah, it's just kind of a little filler episode. I wouldn't say the moral is as well executed as I think we've gotten this type of story in the past, but it's interesting and I think the one plot with the Winstreet family and Ash battling them in that kind of sense of underestimating them, like, I'm intrigued by that because I don't know if I'm giving them more credit, the story writers, than maybe was actually put into it. It does strike me as interesting that so many of the actors' lines are delivered in, like, a strange way, but it's only the members of the Winstreet family who do it, and... And it seems to serve a purpose with the, with, again, the B moral of the story. It could all be coincidence, but it does intrigue me that what almost could be perceived as like really bad dubbing possibly could be a deliberate character choice. It's hard to, it's like, it feels like that shouldn't be the character choice because it's the sort of thing that this show typically doesn't do. Like they're, they're not that subtle. But at the same time, it fits so well that you almost want to give it to him. And yeah, we also got to iron out a little bit of the situation with, you know, being younger than 10, but still training Pokemon. Because clearly Vivi has been training and raising that Meryl. But Max acknowledges that he's too young to have Pokemon and those two kids are the same age. So we get to see some nuance with that. We get to revisit the water issue, which... May never be confirmed, but as far as I know, certainly in the episodes this podcast has covered, we have not found an answer yet, a concrete one. Just by virtue of the fact that nobody does it, I'm willing to say human beings cannot drink water that came from a Pokemon. Or should not, rather. Certainly, if my Squirtle spit into a cup, I'd have some second thoughts. Anyway, we're going to leave the episode there. We'll come back next time with further adventures of Ash Ketchum. So if you want to stay caught up with this podcast, you can visit us at pkappypodcast.blogspot.com and also put any comments there about this episode, past episodes, shipping in the Pokémon world. Who is your OTP? You can also leave comments on Facebook or Twitter or send an email to pkappypodcast at gmail.com. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. This has been Peak Happy Podcast. Gotta catch 'em all.